Well, a massive welcome. If you're visiting us or you've come with a family member, we want to thank you for coming. And uh, of course, we uh, called this a Willow One. We've given all the campus pastors uh, the Sunday off, the morning off. So we've all gathered together and uh, want to worship together. So I hope, I don't know um, uh, how many of you are from different campuses. I'm spotting uh, people from uh, Creekside, uh, South Community. It's fantastic. From the Abbey. And, uh, and of course, here from 33, and even some pursuit, uh, although they are gathering uh, tonight to have a prayer time and a listening time and a time of, of worship at six o'clock. But it's great what God is doing. And I want to encourage you, as I was thinking about this sermon, and as I was thinking about what do you share on the Sunday between Christmas, when we have had at Willow Park Church, right the way across the network, a most wonderful Christmas. Would you agree? It's been wonderful. Uh, Great attendance. Great people be giving their lives to Jesus. God doing miracles. It has been amazing. And I know you're all full of turkey. And you've all had all those wonderful presents. I got the best present any man could ever get for Christmas. Yes, I got a bear banger. And you may not know what this is. But this is a little thing that you screw a, uh, a grenade type thing on the end. And if a bear comes out the bush, you pull it back and you let it go. And it goes bang. That is cool. That is something I'd never get in England. No way. So all I need right now is a bear. So um, I'm going to have to go and find. So you say, well, how does this work? Well, the thing is, you pull it out and a bear is coming towards you. A grizzly bear. <laughs> You know how I love to get out in the bush and do trail running and I come across bears occasionally and I tell you the story of those moments. And then what happens, you pull this little pen type thing out. I happen to have a pen, not a bear banger. And, and then you get this little orange thing and you, you screw it on the end. I suppose you prepared this before. Uh, maybe because... Your heart rate may be up a little bit, and you might be wondering, oh, that, is that a brown bear, or it's got a big lump, is it a grizzly? And then what happens is you screw it, and then you pull it back, and you let it off, boom! And the bear goes, that's lovely, isn't it? Fireworks before I eat you. And <laughs> then it comes before, but I've got a bear banger, so that I'm now safe going into the bush. And... And we think about this, and you may have had some wonderful presents at a great time. You may not have had a bear banger, but you may have had some great things. I also got a hunting knife. Oh, you can tell I'm, 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 I'm becoming almost BC-ish. And, and then I'm going to grow a beard. That will take the biggest miracle. Um, but... It's great, but I want you to think about 2015, and I want to encourage you this morning as we gather together that God is for you, God is not against you. I want to encourage you that God wants to do some terrific things in 2015 because our God is good and our God is gracious. But as you jump into 2015... As you move forward, I want you to have faith to believe that actually you can face those giants with the faith of God within your life. 
You may have come this morning because you have situations. We all do. There's not one of us, as I work now close to 30 years in ministry, as I've ministered and worked where I have not sat with people and listened to their story, and I've discovered one thing, that every one of you has a story that will make me weep. True, isn't it? Who hasn't here been touched by the breakup of relationships or divorce, either close or within our family? Who hasn't felt the pain of that in the 21st century in our society? Who of us has not, like myself, been touched by the, the painful times when members of our family become affected by mental health issues and they become ill and it's either depression or other, other symptoms that create anxiety, that create pressure, that disable them in our lives. Who here has not had that or seen it or experienced it? We all face our giants. Who here haven't known or haven't been through times of bankruptcy, times of intense financial difficulty when you've wondered about the way that you're going to cope and you wonder about the way. Certainly I've seen that played out in my own wider family. I've seen it happen. I've seen the moments when because of broken down relationships, grandchildren become separated and grandparents now raise grandchildren and other children end up living halfway across the country and never communicating and, and parents at strife with each other and the pain of the disconnection that can be created because of the modern world that we live in. Who hasn't been through that? Those of us, we may now have had our families touched with areas of dependency issues, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, when Good people, people we love, people we care for, but people who just simply cannot cope. Give in to other things, to take away the edge, to take away the pain, to take away the agony that they face or the unresolved pain that is in their lives. Who of us here on this weekend before New Year's have not faced and have not seen and have not experienced the giants, the problems, the difficulties within our lives. And really the challenge of what I want to share with you in these few moments is this, is that I do believe that as you enter 2015, we have to decide uh, three things. First of all, we have to decide what is going to fill our mouth Secondly, what is going to fill our eyes? And thirdly, what is going to fill our heart? What is in our mouth? What is in our eye? And what is in our heart? Because if you get these three things right, it will make a difference to your life. and It will make a difference to the way that you enter 2015. Because I want to remind you again that we serve a good God. We serve a God that is for us. And we serve a God that wants to help us deal with the giants within our lives. Do I hear an amen? Why not? That was good. Nice amen. But you know, this service, you are the committed ones, aren't you? 
But we often fail to engage in our battles and we back away. Sometimes we fail to engage in our battles. We all do this because we lack a sense of purpose in our life or we've forgotten the sense of purpose within our faith. Sometimes we stop engaging or fighting or believing or believing that God can do it or believing that God can work very simply because we become pessimistic. Our thoughts become negative. And we surround ourselves with negative people and we fill our minds full of negative thoughts and we feel this will never change. I can never overcome this challenge. God hasn't got a promise for me. God can't work. Surely not. And you feel the pressure and you feel the anxiety and you feel the negativity and you lose the purpose and you lose the reason and you start to lose the sense of what God wants to do in your life. Well, can I encourage you that as you jump into 2015, you jump with both feet and you're saying, as for me, I will serve the Lord. As for me, I will pray. As for me, I will believe. I believe that God can do mighty things. Who of us haven't been touched by a battle? And so I want us to turn to Numbers chapter 13 and verse 26. And have a look at this. This is the great moment when the spies, the 12 spies, go into the land to check it out and to see what is taking place and what is happening. And they came back to Moses and Aaron, the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them, to the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. And there the Amalekites lived in uh, Negriva. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amurites lived in the hill country, and the Canaanites lived near to the sea along the Jordan. So they came and they gave report. This was the big moment. They had traveled through the wilderness. They had seen God do all the miracles. They had seen God at work doing amazing things. And suddenly now they sent the spies in. The spies return and then they start to give a report. And it is a good report. Listen to me. This report is amazing. It is true. This land is good and it is very good indeed. Well, what's it like? Well, there is milk. It flows with milk and it flows with honey. It's a wonderful place. And look, we've even brought the fruits to show you the really good fruits. Look at the size of the fruits. Look at the amazing fruits. Look at all of this. This is incredible. Get, this is amazing. And Moses is probably nodding and the people are assembled and they are nodding going, oh yes, look at the fruits. It's amazing. Look at this. Look at the honey. It's great. It's a land of milk and honey. We can go and do this. And then what do they use, they use that word, that word that can affect the rest of our lives, that word that steals faith 
from our lips, what word is that? The word is but. 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 There's cities there. What do you mean the cities? There's cities there. They are big cities. Fortified cities. Strong cities. So we've got a problem. Big cities that are fortified. Okay, yes. And what else? Well, they are a powerful, strong people. These groups. These groups of people, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, look, they're amazing and they are strong and powerful people. And there are even descendants of Anak. Who were those descendants? Well, those are those who came down and, 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 and there um, joined with, with uh, man and with the angelic, the demonic, and the Nephilim, and they are tall like giants. This land is full of problems. There are fortified cities, there are powerful people, and there are giants in this land from the ancient people. So we can't go. We really can't go. What do we do when we're faced with the but? Oh, it's good. It's got milk. It's got honey. It's amazing. It's incredible. But we can't go because the opposition is too strong. It is too powerful. We will never achieve it. It is ridiculous. I would rather die in the desert than go into this land because although God said he promised this land, I don't believe God is big enough to do it. And that is often our problem. We forget the size of God. We forget that God is big, that God is powerful, that he is awesome, that he is magnificent. But then, what's on your lips? What's in your mouth? You see, if you face a problem and you face a difficulty, you've got to decide what is going to be spoken out of your mouth. How are you going to respond to fortified cities? How are you going to respond to giants in the land? How are you going to respond to the strength of people around, you have to decide this. And here, Caleb steps forward and speaks what is on his heart and speaks what is on his lips. He says this, we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. We can do it. If God says we can do it, we can do it. If the Lord has called us and given us the promise right from Abraham, God is with us. This is not a time to back off. This is a time to realize that we can step out and we can see God move and we can see God change the situation and there is no problem that is too big for our God. And when you go into 2015, will you go into 2015 with your mouth full of praise, with your mouth full full of God's power, where you go in full of faith, full of scripture, believing that God is for you and believing that God is not against you. Is that how you're going to enter it? 
See, this is Caleb's heart. Caleb saw the giants. Caleb saw the fortified cities. Caleb saw the strong people. But Caleb knew and he spoke up with his lips and he knew that God was greater and he was willing to speak the word. This wasn't just something he held in his heart as something he kind of had a faith. This was something that exploded out of his mouth and he spoke, we should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. 2015, take possession of the land because you can certainly do it with God's strength and God's power. You can do it. In the Second World War, they discovered that there was a problem. The problem was that the factories that were making the parachutes for the soldiers invading Europe, the parachutes had a kind of 50-50 chance of opening up correctly for the soldiers. This is a problem, they thought. Because the factories are producing the parachutes and the soldiers are wearing the parachutes, they're jumping out of the planes and 50% of them aren't working properly. How are we going to solve this problem? Do you know what they did? As they worked with the factories, they decided to say to the senior management and the management that randomly they could test the parachutes. Think about this. That had a profound effect on parachute production within America that year. From being 50%, it went up to 99% success rate. Because what happened was that it wasn't just a theory. It wasn't just something that was manufacturing. This was reality. And they understood that this was an issue of life and death. This wasn't just a parachute on a factory floor that they were producing. They had to test it. They had to believe it. They had to be willing even to jump out of the airplane to test that their product really worked. And so they made sure they got it right. And the danger is this, that our faith can just simply end up looking and being like something on a factory floor. But really the power of our faith is that when we are willing to jump out of the airplane, we're willing to jump out, we're willing to say God is with us and I believe it. Like Caleb, I believe that if we jump out into this land, God will give it to us because God has promised it to us. I am actually a licensed parachutist, if that's the right word. In other words, there was a day in my late 20s when I went to an airport and I trained to do a parachute jump. I was courting Michelle and I was talking about it this yesterday as we were driving along. She's full of cold and, 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 and flu and, and we had just popped to Cooper's. I said, do you remember when I went and got my license to, to parachute? She goes, yeah, I do. We weren't married. I was trying to impress her. And that's a good way to impress her. I take her down to the airport. I put on my, my green flight jacket with my badge on. I'd pull out my sunglasses and look like I was in Top Gun. And 
I'd walk out. I did all the training. I did all the things. I went down three times. I got my little license that looked like this. And it could stamp on the many times that I could parachute. And I did all my rollovers. I passed all of my tests. I stood there at the airport. I wore my Top Gun glasses. I looked amazing. I impressed the woman who I was to be married to. But I have never jumped out of an aeroplane. Right? Oh, I look good in a flight suit, let me tell you. I got my girl. I wore my badge. I looked amazing. But every time I went down to the airport, there was a problem either with low cloud or problem with uh, not enough room. You just had to turn up and queue. And by the third time, I gave up. So I've never done it. That's a confession. I'm a good attender. I'm a good participant. I lugged the part. I did say to her, do you remember those days when I took you down to the airport? She said, yes. And I never managed to jump. I said, I could never. She said, you didn't want to. They wouldn't let you. You weren't good enough. And I said, I said is that what you've believed all this life? She said, Yes. And you still married me. That's that's the kind of woman you want to marry. (laughs) You see, the issue is this. There's a very real danger in our Christianity that we go through the process. We attend the event. We understand the language. We even get the little card that says you are licensed to jump given the right circumstances. But we never actually learn to jump. We never actually learn to go for it. We are full of fear. We're full of doubt. But Caleb was willing to jump. He didn't want to look the part. He wanted to participate in an adventure with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the question is, 2015, will you allow faith to fill your mouth to fill your lips so that God can make a difference in your world and see those giants come down. Don't look the part at church, live it. And so, this was on his lips. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread Amongst the Israelites, the bad report about the land they had explored. You notice that? They were using their lips. What was on their mouth was bad report. And there's a danger when we slip into negativity and disbelief, particularly when it's to do with our Lord Jesus Christ, particularly when we forget who's in charge of the universe. It's not you, it's him. We can forget and we can start to spread bad report and start to live in the negativity. And if we live in the negativity, if we live in the bad report, if we do not live in the word of God, we'll never see the promise of God fulfilled in our lives. And they said, the land we explore devours those living in it. Now look, it's what's not only in your mouth, but it's what's in your eye. All the people we saw there are of a great size. They're descendants of Anak, come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes 
and we looked the same to them. Now, notice in this passage of Scripture, around 32 and 33, we see the phrase repeated again and again. We saw, we saw, we seemed, our own eyes, we looked like grasshoppers. You see, when you listen to the narrative of these people, what are they really speaking about? It's about what they see in their eyes. You see, they just saw the problems. They just magnified the giants. They just magnified the people and the problems. They magnified in their eyes what they saw around them and what they failed to do. And what Caleb did was Caleb magnified his God. And in Caleb's eyes, he saw the glory and the power and the wonder of our God. And that's the shift that we need. We need to take our eyes off those things around us and we need to fill our eyes with the glory and the promise of who our God is and how great our God is and believe actually that my eyes can be full of what God can do, that my eyes can be full of his glory, of his wonder, that I serve the Lord Jesus Christ who is wonderful, who is glorious, who is magnificent and yes, it's how I speak. But it's where I gaze and where I want to gaze is in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you gaze in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ, when you magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, those giants, those Nephilim, those fortified cities start to become really, really small because you see how magnificent and how great God is. So what's in your mouth? What's in your eye? Now, I'm not being naive here. You see, I'm not saying for one moment that life's not full of problems. I'm not preaching a gospel where if only you just confess it and only if you just do this and blindly carry on as if there are no problems in life. There are loads of problems in life. There are loads of difficulties. I named them at the beginning. Difficulties I named from my own ex-family, from my own experience, from the reality of who I am and my journey. You've got your journey. We know that life is tough. We know that there can be problems. And I'm not preaching that you can live this perfect, wonderful life with no, no difficulty, with no challenge. But listen, what I am preaching is that we need to watch the way we speak and we need to be willing to look in one direction and that direction is towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I know you go through tough times. I know we face difficulties. But it's what's on our lips. It's what's in our eyes. And really, it's what's in our heart. What is in your heart? See, Caleb, Caleb in his heart, he didn't feel like a grasshopper. He didn't feel like an insect that could be squashed. In his heart, he knew that God had promised him a mountain. 
In his heart, he knew that God had promised them so much. In his heart, he knew that God was with them, had brought them out of Egypt, had led them through this, and it was what was in his heart. And you know what I've learned this? I've learned this one truth, is that that what's in my heart has to be greater than the giant that I'm facing within my life. It's got to be bigger. What God has set in my heart, what God has spoken in my heart, what I'm believing in my heart, if I'm going to see the land of promise come in, if I'm going to see the fortified cities collapse, if I'm going to see those strong people, those strong men, those Nephilim crumble, then my heart has to be bigger and greater in my faith. Because when your faith, your heart is greater than the problem you're facing, that's when God can do miracles. Miracles in our lives. Oh, you say, do miracles really happen? You know, we had a beautiful moment at Living Nativity. And I don't want to get the details of the story completely wrong. But the Sunday after Living Nativity, a mother came up to me with a 14-year-old daughter who the week before was going in to have a major heart operation, which could have been critical and even fatal. It was the worst week of the family's life. And she came to Living Nativity and went through the Great Hall and wrote this extensive prayer card about a need, that this need in their family, this operation, and where this operation was to take place, it was very tricky, very dangerous, and, and, and needed a miracle. And she wrote this long uh, prayer card out and hung it on Sunday, and the prayer team gathered, and the prayer team of our church stayed up to 1 a.m. in the morning, seeking God and praying for 577 prayer requests that came through Willow Park Church as a result. And they remember picking up this prayer request, and they remember praying, and they remember speaking the words, and as they spoke the words, their prayer was in that prayer room that the Doctors will be amazed what has happened, but God will do a miracle and will completely surprise them by what God will do. And they prayed that again and again and again. And they prayed over that card. And they didn't know who this family was. They kept praying over this issue. They kept believing that God would do something and that the doors closed. The last people to leave the building were our prayer warriors. The following Sunday, a lovely lady comes up to me. She says, you'll never believe what happened. I said, well, she tells me this story. I came back and filled in a prayer card. And you know what? When my daughter came for the operation, incredible thing happened. What was going to be a hideously dangerous operation, critical, the problem had moved to a different spot which made it able to be routine and not critical. She said, it's a miracle what God has done. The power of prayer, the testimony of a mother, the miracle in a child, You know, I'd rather live with my mouth full of praise 
I'd rather live with my eyes full of the glory of Jesus. And I'd rather live with a big heart believing that God can do mighty things than believing any other way. So what are you going to be like in 2015? You see, one last verse for you. Joshua, chapter 14 and verse 12. We've got a man who's got a mountain in his heart. Caleb, we fast forward it. They've now conquered the promised land. And what does he say? Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Decades later. There's still a man, there's still a man called Caleb who has got a heart and a mountain within him and a land that God has promised him and he did not give up on his Lord. What's in your heart? What are you believing for? You say, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've faced. No, no. But I'm going to invite you to jump into 2015. Out of that plane, with that parachute, and say, I'm going to fill my lips with faith. I'm going to fill my eyes and magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I'm going to allow God to grow a big heart within me. See, there's a Hungarian Olympian, Koronen, amazing man, 1938. He is 28 years old. And he is the leading, leading Olympian for the Hungarian army using a pistol. Shooting, he's brilliant. He wins the national champions. He's going to go off to compete at the Olympics. Right-handed. But in 1938, after winning many awards, he picks up a grenade that's got a fault and it blows his hand off. Severely disfigures, affects his hand. His dream is gone. He can't no longer do this. And he lies in the hospital bed. But you see, he's got a big heart and a big dream. His friends come around him and they show him sympathy, of course. They encourage him. They're so sorry that he's lost his Olympic vision for his life. His right hand is crushed. And his vision has gone. But little do they know that when he got out of hospital, he picked up a pistol again with his left hand. And he started to shoot with his left hand. 
Never told a soul, but the man had a mountain in his heart. The man believed that it could change things. The man picked up the pistol and he decided to use it with his left hand and practiced and practiced. And we arrived at the Hungarian nationals and they were all surprised to see him. They patted him on the back. It's good to see you. He said, I haven't just turned up to encourage you. I've turned up to compete. Really? You've turned up to compete? Yes. And they gave him, you know, okay, then have a go. Welcome you. And he won the national competition with his left arm. But there was a problem then. It was called the Second World War. He couldn't go to the next Olympics. And the next Olympics was... Ten years later, 1948 in London, and he steps forward with his left hand on the world stage, and he takes gold. Four years later, Helsinki Olympics, he steps forward on the world stage, and he takes gold for the second time. You see, for him... My right hand is crushed, but what do I do? Do I give up? Do I say it can't be achieved? Do I say I can't do it? No, I've got a big heart. I've got a big vision. I'm going to pick up my left hand. I'm going to use what I've got, and I'm going to win the gold. And for some of us, We've had our dreams crushed. For some of us, we have lost the momentum of our faith. For some of us, we look what we've got and we feel the pain of what we've gone through. But the truth is this, as you jump out and jump into 2015, will you jump in with a mouth full of belief and praise of God? Will you jump in? With your eyes full of the glory of the Lord, will you jump in with a heart that is big, even if your right hand's been crushed? Will you stand up again and say, God has given me a left hand and I'm going to go for gold. I'm going to believe that God is great. I'm going for the promised land. Because we all have that choice. That God is good, that God is gracious, that God is with us. Life is tough. But if I approach it with the heart of Caleb, I can see my world change around me. It's time to believe. Let's stand to pray together. For a moment, just consider... Whether at the beginning of 2015, it's time for you to give your life back totally to the Lordship of Christ. It's time for you to hand over your whole life to Him. Maybe now. You felt that distance. But it's time to fill your mouth. It's time, dear friends, to fill your eyes with how great God is. It's time to get that big heart back.
for a moment will you give your life fully back to Christ? Will you take your eyes off the fortified cities? It's been a tough year. It's been a tough year for some. But it's time to rededicate and set your heart right. And pick up, if it's you need to pick up with the left hand, then pick up with your left hand. Lord, I pray that you will come amongst us now. And Lord, I pray that you will fill us afresh with faith to believe. Fill our mouths with praise. Fill our eyes with your glory. And may we carry that mountain in our heart. The mountain in our heart to believe. That you can do it, Lord.